Would you like to come and stall it? Ah, will you just stall it, look? I'd like to come and stall it I'm not really in the mood Well, come on and bleed and stall it Yeah, house hatcher I'm not a house hatcher We'll stall it for a crack We're gonna Still push ups. Get in the pump on. Is everything all right? Fucking look bollocks. Fair play. I can't even do bleeding one of them. Can you not? Well, I can, but. Ah, you can. More can't. More can't. You get I can do about three at a push. Oh, how are we keeping? Are we recording? We are, yeah. We've been recording since you started doing push ups. Oh, shit. Welcome back to Dale, part two of the JFK assassination um, deep dive. This is our first ever multi-part episode. This is Ooh, happening, happening yeah, right yeah. now. Part two. Well, then we better get back into it because people will be intrigued after the first part. Yeah. And they'll be hooked and no. they'll want to know more. So where are we? JFK Go, go back and listen to the first one if you haven't because this won't make sense to you. No. A quick recap just for ourselves. JFK is dead. Lee Harvey Oswald is dead. Jack Rubio killed them. Ruby. Jack Ruby. Where am I getting Rubio from? I don't know. It's probably just a nickname you came up with. Just to... Yep, that's where we are. And There's Lincoln. people asking what, what has gone on here now. So the Warren report has been commissioned by Lyndon. The crime of the century has been committed. Nobody knows. Well, I mean, the FBI have come out and said it was Somebody Oswald. knows. Everyone's saying it was Oswald. The official version is Oswald. Because Jack Ruby killed Lee Harvey Oswald, there was no trial. And therefore... It couldn't be played out and nobody could hear Oswald's version of events, mm. which some would say is the very point of why yeah. Ruby did it. Would make sense. Open season for conspiracy theories. That's where you're going to grow them. But it didn't even take that long on the day of the assassination when it became public that Oswald was the man arrested. There was some anti-Castro Cubans in New Orleans who had had their run-ins with Oswald when he was there as pro-Castro. And they called their media contacts and said, that fellow Lee Harvey Oswald, he's definitely an agent for the Cuban government. So already, November 22nd, the day of the assassination, the very first conspiracy theory has already begun. So Oswald was pro-Castro. No. Well, <laughs> like everything, Joe, it, it's complicated. <laughs> but he, was, he was at a pro-Castro rally. He was handing out flyers for Castro. He was, he was in Soviet Union, all these things. But then people yeah. were saying... Was he really? <laughs> was that an act? Was that okay. a cover story? That's a big cover story. Uh, we'll get to it. Well, I mean, if you're going to assassinate a president. He's playing the long game. He was. Uh, so this is probably as good a point as any that we're going to talk a bit more, I think, about Lee Harvey Oswald because we kicked off the last episode. We did the bio of JFK. Yes, remember? I do. Good. Uh, and at its most basic, this is a story about two men. Really, isn't it? Well, yeah. I mean, there's yeah. a lot more going on, but ultimately... On the face of it, yeah. There's two, two, men there's two main players the front. here. Yeah. Mm. So, but we, many men, many, 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 many men involved. Thank you for that. So, Possibly. Go ahead. And women. And women, yeah. All, all walks of life. But two, but two men, primarily. 100%. Do you want to know about Lee Harvey Oswald? Background check. Background check. <laughs> <laughs> right, so, 1939. He's born in New Orleans. A while ago, that. Yeah. He hadn't got a chance from the very get-go. Two months before he's born, his dad dies of a heart attack. His mom, Marguerite, is raising him and his two older brothers. Margaret. Marguerite. Margaret. 
Margaret. M-A-R-G-U-E-R-I-T-E. Margaret. Margaret. She sends the lads, including three-year-old Lee, to an orphanage. Doesn't want them. The orphanage says, no, he's too young. So they send him back with his mom. He's too young to go to an orphanage? Yeah, and then a year later when he's four, she goes back and says, will you take him now? And his brother said later on, like, from the age of three, he knew his mother saw him just as a burden. Didn't want him around. So he was not shown love in any way. By the time he's 12, he's back living with his mother. They moved to New York City. She works during the day and he's enrolled in school, but he just never goes. He just spends the day all on his own in the public library, in museums, going up and down Manhattan and the subway. Uh, a truant officer ends up spotting him at the zoo. Uh, he's taken to court. They take him to a youth detention centre and he's like given psychiatric evaluation and all this. For sneaking into the zoo? Yeah. They said he was not a mentally disturbed kid. He was just emotionally frozen. He was a kid who had never developed a really trusting relationship with anybody. Trauma. From what I could garner, he really interacted with no one. He made his own meals. His mother left at around seven in the morning, came home at seven at night and he shifted for himself. You got the feeling of a kid nobody gave a darn about. So we're off to a pretty sad start here. The story of Lee Harvey Oswald. No hope. I'm impressed though that he could make his own meals at that age. He's like Matilda. (laughs) One day in New York City, he comes across a leaflet about the impending execution of uh, two people, Julius and Ethel Rosenberg. They had been convicted of spying for Russia. And people who looked into his life story later on came to the conclusion that this is the first time you see a point where he gets the sense that if he picks up a cause or gives himself an identity of something else in opposition to the system, that'll give him, you know, a bit of self-esteem. Obviously, he has nothing. Nobody's ever given him any worth. And he... Sounds like he just wants a fucking big hug. Yeah, but instead of that, he's just going to fight the system. A big communist hug. Although, at 17 then, weirdly, with that theory that he's fighting the system, he enlists in the Marines. Height of the Cold War... He does get a lot of training in marksmanship, which we'll get to later on. Then, in 1957, he is sent to Japan. He's stationed on an Air Force base. It's also a CIA base. Oh, so we knew them. He ends up shooting himself with a pistol. that He's, he's not even supposed to have the gun, but he shoots himself. This is 1958. He gets in trouble for this. He ends up attacking the commanding officer who reported him for it. He's court-martialed for a second time. And he's put in the brig, which is like army prison. And he comes out very, very bitter about mm. everything and everybody. And it's at this time he starts learning Russian. And I do know a uh, guy named Lee Harvey Oswald who shoots himself in his leg with his own gun. Eight mile. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he, he starts learning Russian and talking about the benefits of Marxism to all the other Marines, which I'd say went down a storm. The benefit of what? Marxism. What's that? A form of communism. Well, yeah. Lee, Lee argues, and we'll hear a clip soon, that uh, he argues it was not. So what is it a form of? Socialism, we'll say. Okay. And that's just being sociable, is it? Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> very, very friendly political school of thought. <laughs> Later on, 1959, he heads off, travels around a bit, and he goes to Finland. And Finland is one of the, I think, the only countries at the time where an American can get a visa to go into Russia. He's got around, hasn't he? He has. And he gets the visa and goes into Russia. And at first, the KGB bank, they kind of debrief him because this American soldier shows up in Russia and says, I want to live here now. And they debrief him and say, no, we don't want you. So their records show. He tries to kill himself and they interview him again. And they consider that, 
Well, he wants to be a spy, basically. He starts telling them all this stuff from what he knows from the military. And they go, you're useless. We knew all this stuff years ago. <laughs> this guy's an idiot, basically. That's their point of view. They let him stay. He goes to the US Embassy. He says he wants to renounce his citizenship. He tells them there that, like, I'm going to tell the Russians everything. <laughs> <laughs> Go and tell them all, all the yeah. stuff now that you have all I'm the guns and all. He was a radar technician in the Marines. So he was able to tell the Soviets a bit about that. And then the US consul in Moscow sends this information back to Washington. And the Marines have to change their radar codes because of this. Years later, the CIA and FBI would tell the Warren Commission, oh, no, we didn't know about this guy. The Soviets sent him to Minsk, where there was apparently a serious housing crisis there at the time. There wasn't a lot going around, but the Soviet authorities gave him a very nice apartment, a luxury apartment, which was apparently unheard of for a young bachelor. Mm. Mm. Yeah, so that's one of those things I think that feeds into some of the conspiracy theories that he was like a spy for the Soviets or whatever. Uh, He works building radios and TVs. KGB keeps watching him. He's under surveillance. And this is one of those things that later on led into the conspiracy that he was a fake defector. So he was an American agent who'd gone over there to pretend to defect because things like this... A double agent, exactly. Things like this came out after the fall of the Soviet Union. There was a KGB officer who looked at the Oswald file and he, he did an interview with Frontline, the PBS documentary. He told Frontline... Oswald looked very suspicious to the KGB and to the Minsk factory authorities because he was not interested in Marxism. He didn't attend any Marxist classes. He didn't read any Marxist literature and he didn't even attend the labour union meetings. So the question was, what was he doing there? So you can see how that would lead to a school of thought that it was a front. So the following year, 61, Oswald's mom goes to the White House to see if they can help her find him because he hasn't been heard from. How yeah. do you... Like, where the fuck is my son? Do you know what? I'll go up to the White House. Go to the fucking White House. Yeah, not even like the local, I don't know, senator or congressman or whatever. Yeah, goes to the White House. Uh, Nixon at the time? Uh, yeah. Or would it have been Kennedy? Oh, yeah, Kennedy. Okay. Ah, well then. I'm just going to pop into the White House here to see John F. Kennedy to see if he knows where my son is. And did he have a chat with her? I don't believe so. And why does she well, all of a sudden... That's why he blasted him then. She doesn't give a fuck about him why growing up. Why you Chola? Now she's going up to the bleeding president to see where he is. <laughs> I don't know. I think she's a double agent now. Imagine you went missing and I went to Michael D. Higgins' gaff and I went, do you know where Joe is? He said, get out of my garden. Get the fuck out of my garden now. <laughs> so we now know at this point there were a few government agencies were tracking him in Russia. But at this stage nobody had heard from it in a year. But he had actually become sick of life in Russia and he got onto the US Embassy and said I'd like to go back now please he's a bleeding bollocks isn't he <laughs> he is he's a flake <laughs> he marries a woman Marina Prusakova they'd only known each other for six weeks oh Jesus that's quick no time like now her like uncle present, I mean <laughs> yeah her uncle worked for Soviet intelligence services which has led to more speculation that she was also an agent and that's why they got married after six weeks again a cover story mm. you see but the KGB, they were bugging his apartment and listened to absolutely everything he was doing in there. And they ended up saying, we concluded he was not working for American intelligence. His intellectual training experience and capabilities were such that it would not show the FBI and the CIA in a good light if they used people like him. How do you get his fucking telly walking? That said, he may have been an idiot in some ways, but he was an articulate intelligence chap. He did a couple of radio interviews when he was back in the US, and there's a clip from a TV interview where he talks about that difference between Marxism and communism. We can actually, we can hear that now. 
No, sir, I'm not a communist, and uh, I think that the, uh, the uh, red herring and so forth is rather uh, uh, ridiculous to toss into this conversation. And are you a Marxist? Well, I have uh, studied Marxist philosophy, yes, sir, and also other philosophers. But are you a Marxist? I think you did admit on an earlier radio interview that you, uh, that you consider yourself a Marxist. Oh, I would very definitely say that I, uh, I uh, am a Marxist. That is correct. But I, that does not mean, however, that I'm a, a uh, communist. What is the difference between the two? Well, there's a great deal of difference. Several uh, American parties in several countries are based on Marxism, such as Ghana. Uh, Ghana. Uh, certain countries have uh, characteristics uh, of a socialist system, such as Great Britain with its uh, socialized medicine. Uh, these, then, are the differences between an outright communist country and countries which adhere to leftist or Marxist uh, uh, principles. In your work with the Fair Play for Cuba Committee, uh, what are you advocating? We advocate restoration of diplomatic trade and tourist relations with Cuba. Like he's on the ball. He's not. He's not a dope. He's articulate. He seems to be intelligent. Like he's only what is twenty two or something at that age. Is that all he was? He was only twenty four when he. How old was he when he committed the murder? But what happened? Happened. Uh, he's twenty four. Only twenty four. He looks about fifty, doesn't he? Well, how, what was like, up with people years ago looking way older than what they are? Hard living. Like Frank hard Sinatra living. looked about ninety, and the fellow was probably twelve. <laughs> Come fly with me. <laughs> the CIA always said, I think they, they still say this, they never talked to Oswald. But like you have on record like former CIA officers saying that there were debriefings of Oswald Dunn when he came back. They definitely had to keep an eye on him, like going off to Russia and all that. Like who de- who debriefed him? The CIA? Yeah, there's like So again CIA, CIA officer CIA. called Anderson debriefed Oswald when he came back. But the CIA always swore we didn't know who. Now the fact that they're lying about that is very suspect. Mm. I have a theory on that. I'll keep it for the end, will I? Keep it for whenever you feel ready. Right, we'll keep all our theories for the end. Anyway, he moves to Dallas. He gets a job at a photo lab. And it's here that he makes a fake ID in the name of Alec Hidel. Uh, which we will later hear was the name he used to order the rifle. That was found... And the thinking here is this is kind of, this might be the start of the signs that he's maybe teetering a bit, you know. He's going a bit deeper. Teetering with what, though? Either he's not on, he's not keeping it all together, or maybe he's so pissed off at the world and defecting to Russia didn't work, so maybe he's come back to be... Do something. Just be a nuisance, but not have a plan in general. Like, not have a big plan, but just be like, I'm going to get a fucking gun, I don't know what I'm going to do with it, but I'll get a gun. I think so. And, and then that presented itself. Did just go. So that was in October that he's uh, got the fake ID and he opens a, a P.O. box to get posts for himself in the Hiddle. So he's not getting the posts at home. He's become very interested in Castro's revolution in Cuba, which had happened a couple of years earlier. And now he sees Cuba as the Marxist ideal. So he's fallen out of love with the idea of the Soviet Union and now Cuba is where yeah. it is for him. And warmer, it's warmer, <laughs> warmer than Russia. <laughs> in February '63, then, so what are we now? Nine months from the assassination, he's at a party in Dallas. He meets there's a fellow called Volkmar Schmidt. This fellow recalls that Oswald kept talking about Cuba's socialism and how angry he was at Kennedy and the U.S. government for the Bay of Pigs. Remember we talked about the Bay of Pigs I do. in the first episode? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was debauched. So he's an alias. He has an alias. A P.O. box. He's annoyed at Kennedy for 
all the pig stuff. All the pig stuff. So, like, to me, it's adding up a little bit. We're getting somewhere here. Um, Would you agree? Well, it should. That's what he wants you to think. <laughs> That's what I think. If it's a cover story. I'm not them. I'm not yeah. thinking about them. I'm thinking <laughs> there about There are people who believe it's a cover story, yeah. So he buys a pistol and a rifle around this time. There's a fella called General Walker who Oswald saw as he was a very, basically, a far right. Uh, I think he was, he was a retired general, but he was gaining followers in the US in those days. And Oswald saw him as basically a potential Hitler. And he wanted to be the hero who would stop this man on his rise to power. So he gets these guns he's ordered. In April of that year, somebody fires a single shot through the window of General Walker's home, in the window of his study, uh, misses him. And according to Oswald's wife, she says he came home covered in sweat and looking quite wild in the eyes. And he said to her, like, there's no mystery here. Well, according to her, he said, I shot Walker. <laughs> so She said that? She said that he came home and said, I shot Walker. He told her he shot him and got the bus to get out of there because he thought that if you get in the bus, anyone following you would lose the scent. And Americans, he thought, presume everybody goes everywhere by car. So he's like, the American mindset is an assassin must drive from the scene of the crime. He's like, but I'm so clever, I get away on foot. Mm. And he was the bus. Genius. Keep that in mind. Uh, a couple of weeks after that, he very suddenly leaves Dallas and he goes back to New Orleans, which was his birthplace. So the time in New Orleans, this is the strangest period of his life, it seems. We don't know, we don't know all of what was going on there. Uh, and this is where, if you're really getting into conspiracies about people who would have wanted to kill Kennedy, this is probably where Oswald would have met them. So he gets onto the Fair Play for Cuba committee, which is a US-wide group. And he says, I'll start up a chapter in New Orleans. And like, they say, no, don't do that. We don't need you to do that. <laughs> but he says, I'm going to do it anyway. And he starts printing his own leaflets and membership cards and they have him down as president, but he's not the president. So, you know, are we in the realm here of CIA cover story or are we in the realm of just... There's an, an argument for both. A guy who just wants to be, wants to be somebody. I think he did do all that. But I also think the CIA would be like, well, this fella's perfect. We've got our guy. Let's keep an eye on him. Let's use him. He's going to be the fall guy. In August, he contacts the leader of an anti-Castro group. And they say he offered to help them in their guerrilla fight against Castro. And he writes to like the Fair Play for Cuba committee and says that one of his street demonstrations supporting Cuba had been attacked by the anti-Castro crowd. Like it never happened. He was making stuff up. Nobody knows what he was up to here. That's why people say it's a kind of a very mysterious it really time is, in his yeah. life. It, like, was he just going off the rails? Yes. Yeah. Uh, he definitely was. <laughs> it doesn't sound like the behaviour of a rational but man. I think I have to agree with you on like, yeah, he definitely was, but the perfect but other people are very aware that he was. There's one other bit about his time in New Orleans which is very important here. So the address he had on the leaflets was a place called 544 Camp Street, New Orleans. In the same building, there was a private detective agency run by a fellow called Guy Bannister. He was... <laughs> more great name. You're just laughing at a name? Yeah, sorry. Uh, Guy, Guy Bannister was Bannister. a former FBI agent and he was working to overthrow Castro. He was working with a fellow called David Ferry, who played by Joe Pesci in the film JFK. Um, what the fuck? <laughs> Oswald and Ferry may have met each other in the 50s in the Civil Air Patrol and some say they would have met each other in the summer of 1963 in New Orleans as well. I mean, they're working out of the same building. Yes. Uh, and it was a small building, as far as I know. Ferry and Bannister, right, the fellas sharing this building with Oswald's anti-Castro group, they both did private detective work for 
a fella called Carlos Marcello, who was the mafia boss in New Orleans. Hey, it's a fugazi. And we'll get to this in the final episode, the mafia conspiracy, but... Um, There's a mafia conspiracy? Yeah, because JFK's oh. brother, Robert Kennedy, when he was made attorney general, he made the mafia one of his main targets. And oh. he came down on them pretty hard, and he came down on them hardest in New Orleans. Now you see where the strands start. Another angle. Another angle. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Another angle. It's a web. So the thing is here, and one of the go back to there's no trial, so nobody could ask him what was your relationship with David Ferry and Guy Bannister. Nobody knows. But you could ask them. What did they say? David Ferry died very shortly after being questioned by New Orleans District Attorney Jim Garrison, who was trying to bring Ferry and another man to trial for their part in a conspiracy to kill JFK. And Ferry died of, I think it was a brain aneurysm shortly after. September 25th, Oswald suddenly disappears from New Orleans. Nobody has ever been able to figure out where he was that night. And there has, some people have claimed he made a call to the leader of the Socialist Labour Party in Houston. Some people say he travelled to Dallas. Because in Dallas, three men, two Latin American men and an American man, showed up at the house of some Cuban exiles. They're dad was the head of an anti-Castro group and those people say that uh, Oswald was one of these three men introduced as Leon Oswald and they came to the house looking for money for the anti-Castro cause the sisters sent away these three strange callers but later on one of the other lads who was with Oswald calls and goes back to the house and says uh, that this fellow the American was with he's an ex-marine and he's kind of crazy and he's telling us the Cubans should have assassinated Kennedy after the Bay of Pigs we just didn't have the guts to do it who said that? this night where no one knows where Oswald was September 25th in Dallas three men called to a house of a family of an anti-Castro leader and one of them was an American man and a couple of days later one of the other fellows who was with them calls the house again and is saying oh that American guy with us he was an ex-marine and he's crazy and he thinks we should kill Kennedy so three lads came to the house why to threaten somebody? No, they wanted money. They said, oh, we need money for the cause. And they thought it was a bit strange. Oh, okay. Now, this is the other theory with this one. But it wasn't Oswald. And the phone call that followed up was just someone laying the breadcrumbs for a cover story. Ah, yeah. Because that's a really weird thing to do is to like, go back to someone's house and say, here, mm. that other fella was a bleeding whack job. Sorry for knocking on your door. You don't want to mess with him, man. He arrives in Mexico City. Mexico? Gets a bus from Texas to Mexico City in late September. He visits the Cuban consulate. He fills out a visa. They say you can only come on a temporary visa and only if you're going to Russia and so on. He also goes to the Russian embassy. He's interviewed by KGB officers. They say it'll take months to get a visa and he's very upset by this. And This stuff, the CIA again, later on would say they had no idea about these trips, but it turns out they were watching him while he was there. But there were uh, wiretaps and bugs of the phone calls of someone calling the uh, embassy saying I'm Lee Harvey Oswald and people who listened to it later said it wasn't his voice and people at the embassy who said a man showed up saying he was Lee Harvey Oswald obviously they saw pictures of him later on and said that's not the guy who showed up and said he's Lee Harvey Oswald things are getting stranger just just too much going on it's it's very strange here it's very strange anyway he goes back to Dallas in October and middle of October he gets a job in the Texas School Book Depository we'll pick it up there again later I think but for now that's uh, not very brief by Lee Harvey Oswald. It's enough to, to paint a picture anyway. Yeah. There was this fella that I think I told you on the podcast already, but it kind of just makes more sense now. But when I was in the pub, this fella used to come in every day for a point and he used to just say to me, give us a point there, Lee Harvey Oswald. And he used to say, 
Like, I used to have to Google who he was, like, do you know what I mean? <laughs> I just can't believe he was 24 when he did. He'd done yeah, all of that. And he, he was, he's only a fucking baby, like. 24, like. He looks ancient. Like, he looks way older than that in any footage of photos. I think I was on the dole when I was 24. <laughs> I don't think I left the country until I was, like, 25. I'm sure that your man was making his own dinners and looking after himself in New York City at the age of 12. I know. Like, yeah. Right, that's Lee Harvey Oswald. So, if we remember from the last episode, we had, as we said at the top of this episode, JFK obviously is dead, Lee Harvey Oswald was dead, and there are many, many questions. What's going on? So, I think we get to the Warren Commission now, which is, this is... The official version of events, and to this day remains the official version of events. For now. Yeah, for now. Until you're finished with it. November 29th, that's a week after the shooting, Lyndon Johnson, the new president, a week after he becomes president, Johnson says, right, let's sort this one out. So let's let's get ourselves a commission to look into the assassination. So called, officially, it's the President's Commission on the Assassination of President Kennedy, uh, commonly known now as the Warren Commission, because it was headed up by Chief Justice Earl Warren. There were seven men on this commission. They were uh, Senator Richard Russell, a Democrat. There was a, a Republican Senator from Kentucky, John Sherman Cooper. Hale Boggs, Democrat. Gerald Ford, who would himself go on to become US President later on. He's a Republican from Michigan the House Minority Leader, John McCloy, and this is a really notable one, our old friend Alan Dulles. Al Dulles. Our old friend from the CIA, ex-head of the CIA, the man behind MK Ultra, effectively. The man who Kennedy felt had massively misled him on the Bay of Pigs. The man who Kennedy sacked. And people would say the man who was out for revenge. There's a very clear conflict of interest there, I would say. If you're trying to not encourage conspiracies... That's a mistake, mm. you know. <laughs> now, in the moment, it's it's literally a week after it, so maybe you know, in the moment, who makes the call for him to come back? Johnson, I presume. But maybe it's like this fella knows his his business, and if there is talk of Soviet spies and whatever, like this is the guy. Recently, has a lot of free time in his hands, but he knows this world inside out. Maybe that's the logic there, and you're in a hurry to get it done, and you do it, and it's only later on that people start saying, well. <laughs> sure, wasn't he behind the whole thing? Like, you know. No, because it's supposed to be an impartial like inquiry. And it's not supposed to be... Well, at this point, there mystery. was no suggestion the CIA were involved. I think that suggestion started to creep into it later on. But even still, the fact that he got sacked by... You know, it just muddies, it just muddies the water a little bit. Yeah, I would agree with you. I would agree with you. Um, so, uh, Dulles didn't just have a... It wasn't like just a professional... Um, dislike of Kennedy related to the sacking it seems he he hated him he thought he was like a he basically thought he was some lefty pinko and like he just had no time for him after he'd fired him obviously um, there's a story uh, I think it was the New York magazine that they had an article about all this only a couple of weeks ago and they had a story in there an anecdote of the the commissioners the seven of them at one point they're passing around Kennedy's tie that he was wearing when he was shot and there's blood on it and there is there's a bullet hole in the tie and they're passing it around it's obviously a very solemn moment you know there's mm. seven of them they're showing reverence for this this uh, piece of evidence that they're looking at and Dulles takes it and he just says I didn't know Jack wore store-bought ties <laughs> catty mm. that's a sick bone isn't it didn't yeah, seem to have a lot of respect bone. for the dead there <laughs> Jesus Christ 
So the Warren Commission takes the testimony of more than 550 witnesses, although not the men who questioned Lee Harvey Oswald and others, as we've noted. They received more than 3,100 reports from the FBI and the Secret Service. Uh, there was 10 other major departments in the federal government, 14 independent agencies and four other congressional committees all working to help them. It is actually notable, and they did get a lot of credit for this. There's an 888-page report, and it only took them less than a year. It took them 10 months. And it is. like At the time it came out, people did say, this is really impressive. Hmm. They've chased down a lot of stuff and come up with a lot of answers. Obviously, as you would know, it, it didn't uh, seem to come up with all the answers. But it was a big operation. And ultimately, here's the key line from the conclusion. The shots which killed President Kennedy and wounded Governor Connolly were fired from the sixth floor window at the southeast corner of the Texas School Book Depository. The shots which killed President Kennedy and wounded Governor Connolly were fired by Lee Harvey Oswald. So says the commission, Lee Harvey Oswald shot President Kennedy, but apparently not as part of a conspiracy. That's it in a nutshell. Yeah. So the first thing about that is the sixth floor, not the first floor. Which is where people said that they... they yeah, was it the sixth originally? No. Who, who made that statement? We're going to get there very quickly. Okay. It was the sixth, yeah, but where <coughs> Oswald was is a big question. He was on the fucking bottom floor, having a Sambo. <laughs> and a Coca-Cola. <laughs> Oswald, they, first of all, they found, yeah, he was 100% at the school book depository on the day and mm. at the time, which I don't think anyone has ever disputed. There was a witness, Howard Brennan, out in Dealey No relation, no relation. As far as I'm aware. Could be. My f- members of my family once thought we were related to the Kennedys. There was a whole family tree and all. It turned out to be bullshit. <laughs> Who made that up? I don't know. We all believed it for a while. When I was about 10. I remember going around and telling my mates, I was like, yeah, 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 related to the Kennedys. <laughs> I'd be we, afraid to fly. Howard Brennan, he was sitting across from the, the book depository in another building. He was seven stories up. He was waiting for the parade to come past. And this man, same man I had saw prior to the president's arrival, was in the window and taking aim for his last shot. After he fired the last or the third shot, of, he didn't seem to be in a great rush. Hurry. He uh, seemed to pause for a moment to see if for sure he accomplished his purpose. And he brought the gun back to rest in upright position as though uh, he was satisfied. The Secret Service man asked me for a description. I gave him a description of a man in his early 30s wearing light khaki-colored clothing, height 5 foot 9 or 10, weighing 170 pounds. That is the description that very quickly was put out by the police and that's where we think that description came from and that's how so quickly they had a description of the suspect because this fella, Howard Brennan, saw it and very quickly ran to the the closest sheriff's deputies he could mm. find and told a little rat. <laughs> as quickly as he could went to the closest deputy he could oh so so oh, I'm oh, telling him I'm telling he was about 5 foot tall 75 kilos and, uh, blonde Br- hair and how was. could you how could you tell from that far away oh because I, I see I'm telling <laughs> Brennan 
told the police, he said, uh, this man let the gun down to his side. He said, the man in the gun. And he said, the man let the gun down to his side and stepped down out of sight. Um, I could see him from about his belt up. I believe that I could identify this man if I ever saw him again. Turns out he couldn't because later on at the lineup where Lee Harvey Oswald was, Brennan said he couldn't identify him. That's often grasped onto by conspiracy theorists that he couldn't identify him. However, if you actually look into it just a little bit more, it's he says he couldn't identify him for sure because Oswald at this stage was so dishevelled. He said like the fella I saw was kind of neatly dressed and well groomed and all that. And this fella I'm looking at in the lineup, he's he's a bit of a mess. He'd had a bit of a day of it, so like he was mm. he was a bit of a mess. And Brennan said he couldn't be sure. A busy old day, old Lee Harvey Oswald. Oh, you know, he was in walk. Fucking killed the president, like you know. <laughs> Took a half day in walk. Went to the pictures. Other people have said. They've speculated that maybe Howard Brennan didn't want to identify Lee Harvey Oswald because, but it, he'd been running his mouth telling the police, "Ah, oh, yeah, I'd know him anywhere." And then, and then a, a few hours later, lunch. a few hours later, they bring him in, and he's going, "This thing might be bigger than I thought it was." <laughs> maybe there's other people involved. I'm saying nothing. That's uh, that's one theory out there. Human memory is very fallible, though. Hugely fallible. Yeah, that's a really important thing to keep in mind here. All these eyewitnesses, it is massively fallible and we will our memory will fill in gaps and just create stuff yeah um, yeah sure I thought I was in school when there you the go. day around sweets and yeah I don't think I was there so yeah especially in moments of stress it's even like your, your, your brain is struggling to make memories the Warren Commission said Oswald was on the sixth floor and they had an eyewitness putting him there just three minutes before the shots were fired they'd also said there were fingerprints or a palm print found on a carton that had been moved to make what they call the sniper's nest. So it's where the assassin created some space to peer out the window. Mm. And they found one of Oswald's prints on the, the box that was moved. He did work there and he primarily worked on the first and sixth floors. He'd only worked there for five weeks too. Oh, that, I didn't know that. Yeah. Did he get the job there? Like, did, was it known that Kennedy was going to make this? No. It wouldn't have been known that he was going to drive past it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Which is, again, that is... Um, against the conspiracy theory argument like he got the job five weeks beforehand I mean unless you want to presume they were putting people in tall buildings all over Dallas and just whoever was on the route was going to get the job and they hoped the bubble was off <laughs> it's little things like this they're not as sexy as you know the the intrigue and all that but mm. logically those things do make you question the conspiracy theory things that make you go hmm how Oswald got the job at the book depository it's noteworthy um, because it it definitely people who support the Warren report definitely point to this so he Oswald was like a, a bit of a I don't know flake bit of a loser he didn't hold down he jobs. was was he yeah he didn't hold you down said down that jobs very long and yeah the other day that who was a loser uh, Lee Harvey Oswald oh yeah he was in need of a job and his wife Marina, she knew a friend or an acquaintance who worked at the book depository. She got on to them and said, Lee needs a bit of work. Is there anything going? So this woman got on to her boss at the book depository and asked them, was there any work going? They had a temporary gig going. They needed seasonal staff, I think leading up to Christmas, but also they were laying floors at the time. So a lot of the regular workers were away on that for a few weeks. So they were doing some work to the building. So the regular lads who'd be stacking the books weren't there. And that's why there was an opening. So he hired Lee Harvey Oswald and another guy to come in. I don't know how long the, the it was intended to last, 
but it was just it was it was lucky like he was looking for work and by coincidence there was this opening they hired two people one was Lee Harvey Oswald and one was some other guy the other guy got sent the, to a warehouse and Oswald got stationed in the book depository building it was just it seems pure chance that he could have just as easily been sent to a warehouse on the first day he like started working there four or five weeks earlier he could have just as easily been sent to a warehouse couldn't have shot anyone from there though <laughs> well that's the thing that's the thing yeah that's I'm putting that in the ballpark of why did you know same ballpark as why did he run out of the building straight away you know instead of hanging around to see what was going on like I wouldn't be running out of the building straight away I'd be like oh look what the fuck's going on maybe you'd like it because you'd be like I'm a mad communist and the CIA are onto me <laughs> like, they're definitely going to put this on me yeah. fucking like, president shot I'd in front say, of me job <laughs> I'd say even if he didn't do it and he knows he didn't do it he's still paro out the head that he's going to be pulled for it mm. anyway so yeah also in the in the vein of things that kind of points to his guilt I guess um his wife said that she was curious about the Kennedy visit and she was asking Lee, so what's, this, what's the plan? Is he going to be coming along? Lee, hang on. Did you just call him fucking Lee like you're on force names basis? With him? Like, so don't, Sorry. Don't humanise him. Sorry. I'm Lee. I was, she was okay. talking about Lee. We'll, we'll go through the laborious process of every single time I mention him. <laughs> Lee Harvey Oswald. I actually, I like to call him Ozzy. Okay. I'll call him Big Gale. So she asked <laughs> Lee Harvey Oswald. <laughs> no, just stick to Lee. Go on, go with Lee. I was just... <laughs> She says to him, uh, yeah, what's what's the plan with the the motorcade? What route is it going to take and all this stuff? And she said he, he wasn't very chatty about the whole thing, which wasn't like him because you know, the fellow was fairly full on with the politics most of the time. So he moved to Russia because he was mad for the communism trying to defect and all this stuff. Like, it wouldn't, it wouldn't mad take much for to the get. communism. Yeah. <laughs> He's flat playing Aussie fellas mad for the communism. Wouldn't take much to get him into a discussion about politics or anything like that. And she said, he just seemed strangely uninterested in the Kennedy visit, which when she looked back, she thought... He would normally be... Yeah, he was trying not to talk about it. But she uh, could also just be saying that because she fucking didn't like him. That's very true. And she could be remembering things differently. 100%. Other stuff the Warren Commission found were minutes after the assassination, the police found in the storeroom an Italian-made Manlicar Carcano 6.5 millimeter rifle. Um, the FBI its serial number was C2766, which is important because the FBI were able to trace it, and they said the same rifle, uh, which was mounted with the telescopic sight, had been posted in March 1963 from Chicago to to an A. Hiddle P.O. Box 2915 in Dallas and handwriting experts told the Warren Commission that the signature on the money order to pay for it and the address on the envelope were all written by Lee Harvey Oswald uh, A. Hiddle was supposedly an alias he used and when he was arrested he they had he had fake ID cards for Alex Alec James Hiddle oh, with yeah. his own photograph he claims to know nothing about this right. well you would though you would say that you would say that no really identifiable fingerprints were on the rifle after the assassination. The commission said this was explained because the stock of the rifle was rough, but it was it was it was wood, but it was too rough to pick Old up prints. a print properly. Um, there was a bit of a palm print on the barrel, so the commission said there's a bit more evidence for you. Then they found some fibers, cotton fibers, blue, grey, black, and orange, yellow, on the rifle butt, and they matched a shirt that Oswald had been wearing that day. The fuck was he wearing? <laughs> Grey, black, Multicolored. blue. Multicoloured. 
Joseph sure. is technical or dream <coughs> uh, During the commission, his wife, Marina Oswald, identified that rifle. Um, and she said she took the picture in the back garden, the famous picture of him with the rifle, mm. which he would claim. He has no recollection of. Mm. Another question was, so the, the three shots that supposedly were fired came within, they reckon, 7.9 seconds. This Carcano rifle, not just this one particular rifle, but the actual model and make of rifle was important because it was slow to reload and also supposedly shite. Like, it's a bad rifle that was hard to aim and slow to reload. Took, I think, the guts of two seconds to reload. So if you're taking three shots and you're reloading each one and presumably you might be a bit under pressure and feeling the nerves of the moment. People went, that's very quick for someone to be getting three shots off with that mm-hmm. rifle. They tested the rifle. They said, they did a hundred firing tests and FBI experts said, yeah, you know, you could have done that with this rifle. Um, there was some speculation from conspiracy theorists sometimes say that the the sight was off. The rifle didn't even work. You couldn't aim. That wasn't true. They found that it could aim. And yeah, so they, they came to the conclusion that the rifle was an accurate rifle. And yeah, basically... They found that his marine training in marksmanship and his rifle experience... Why should Well, they said it showed he possessed ample capability to commit the assassination. We'll come back to that. The question of if he could have actually taken the shot and how good a shot he was. That becomes really important. Yeah. So we'll come back to that in a bit. We'll go the to this kind he of... was originally taking these shots... Like he was in place like in the army to take shots like that he would have yeah and then shots to, of that like, place him yeah. there and then that happened and it's kind of like oh you'd point your finger at him like yeah but is, it get, too, is it too convenient is it too yeah I get you like the official argument boils down to he was in the building someone saw him on the sixth floor we have the rifle which he owned was there you know the fibres the palm prints they're all kind of partial evidence but they're all definitely pointing in the same direction that well, he was handling the rifle that day. But the one shot that you're talking about where he missed. He missed and it hit a tree, was it? That was wildly off target. And then the next two targets are like bullseye, like, boom, back of the head, through his head. Do people think that there was like more than one involved? Like that maybe he was there and he did try to take the shot, which was the first one. Yeah, that's and a then big the second theory. one was a yeah. pro. Third one was a pro. Like. Yeah, so like the Warren Commission's finding that, that Lee Harvey Oswald took the shots. That's the lone shooter theory mm. is what I'd be known as. So that's one man on his own, no conspiracy. Mm. That's the official finding. Like it weighs up more that the time in between shots was like, what, seven seconds? Time for all three shots was... All three was like, what? Eight seconds, 7.9 seconds. So it makes you think like, Separate windows, doesn't it? Like separate kind of and yeah, and that bones. becomes really relevant later on. The distance of time between the second and third shot, mm. because it seems from the recordings that are there on the day and all that, it seems that they would be too close. This is what some people argue: they'd be too close together for someone using that rifle. You wouldn't be able to fire, reload, and fire again that quickly to even so. get your stance again and to get mm. your, your yeah. view of it. Like even if you were squeezing it off immediately the second it was reloaded, and also would be a perfect shot. At a moving target, a headshot. Yeah, so we're gonna we'll get into all that now. All the stuff that the arguments against the findings on on Oswald. But so basically, that's it. Yeah, he was there. It was his gun. He had fired the gun. The gun was working. It all adds up. He was seen leaving. All this stuff. Witnesses saw him leaving the scene of shooting the police officer. They said, "Yeah, this is your man, Red Hot." <laughs> yeah. Now, the the criticisms of those findings. 
since the commission has come out, one of the central arguments against its credibility is that they had reached the lone gunman verdict before they even started. Later on, when recordings, like transcripts of recordings of phone calls from President Lyndon Johnson were released. Uh, this, is a, this is a question that has a good many more ramifications than on the surface. And uh, uh, we got to take this out of the arena where they're testifying that Khrushchev and Castro did this and did that and uh, kicking us into a war that can kill 40 million Americans in an hour. So his worry was if the commission came out and said Oswald was a Soviet spy, like the Soviets might get so upset that they kick off a war. And there was a declassified uh, memo as well. It was prepared for the White House by the Assistant Attorney General, a fellow called Nicholas Katzenbach, uh, one day after Oswald's death. Katzenbach? Yeah, and Katzenbach wrote to the White House, the public must be satisfied that Oswald was the assassin, that he had no Confederates who are still at large, and that evidence was such that he would have been convicted at trial. Katzenbach goes on, speculation about Oswald's motivation ought to be cut off and we should have some basis for rebutting thought that this was a communist conspiracy or, as the Iron Curtain Press is saying, a right-wing conspiracy to blame it on the communists. Now, none of this actually shows us, like, none of this isn't conclusive that the Warren Commission Mm. uh, was set up from the beginning. Like, it doesn't prove that they actually took this on board. But people the president, the new president, Lyndon Johnson and his attorney general were saying it's really important that we don't blame this on Russia from the get-go. So there were people who wanted it to turn out a certain way. Other stuff that was controversial about the Warren Commission related to Oswald, so there was questions of if he had brought the gun into the building. He was seen with a bag that was people said it was a couple of feet long, which wouldn't be long enough for the gun. That was important. But nobody saw him bring it up to the sixth floor which is strange that it's apparently it was a bag big enough for this big long rifle and nobody during that morning saw him and nobody, the sixth floor. nobody since the driver seeing him with like the package remember the package that was sorry that was yeah well there was another woman so that's the driver is one of those two people the other person is a woman called Linny May Randall who worked there and she saw him carrying something but she, she said it was about, it as a package that the driver described yeah she said it was about two foot long but the gun would have yeah. been like, like three foot long yeah, yeah which is quite a big difference but like what could have been in the bag if it wasn't that sort of leans in the direction that it would be a rifle over anything really a baguette could have been a really long French stick wasn't he <laughs> wasn't he eating a sambo yeah quizzing, <laughs> quizzing the front maybe it was corn rods did he stick up cortons uh, what he was doing at the window on the yeah, fucking hell there you go <laughs> he's putting new curtains up and then got blamed on it these fucking curtain poles yeah so the curtain rods or curtain poles so just to remind people we spoke before about how a co-worker of Oswald's he had said he picked up Oswald on the morning of the shooting and he had with him this long package and Oswald said it was curtain rods so these curtain rods these are important <laughs> because probably... he didn't have fucking windows in his house <laughs> ah, well it's actually because he already had curtains that, uh, so <laughs> people change that curtains <laughs> well the president's being shot and people are like why is he carrying curtain poles <laughs> so he lived his family lived in Irving that's where his family home was which wasn't too far from Dallas but during the week he stayed in Dallas uh, he was a lodger he stayed in a room in this landlady's house and he would go back to Irving on Friday 
afternoons after work on Fridays he'd go back and his friend uh, Buell Fraser who would later say he saw the curtain poles and all that he used to bring him back every week but on the Thursday of this week he asked Buell um, can we go back to Irving tonight and he said yeah I'll bring you over why are you going back and he said oh I have to pick something up and he said these are the curtain poles he claimed to have picked them up um, said he had to go back that night to get them he, according to Oswald's wife, he never once mentioned curtain poles when he was home on the night before the assassination. The landlady said, well, he already had curtains in his room and curtain poles and he had never talked to me about changing them. So that didn't really add up. So then the next day he gets in the car and says he's heading back with the curtain poles. Uh, and there was never any curtain poles found in the book depository. Or anywhere? No. They weren't found. So... So now what's your opinion? <laughs> Maybe like they were just he was picking them up for a mate. <laughs> then my mate's curtain poles. <laughs> yeah, it could could be possible. Yeah. I, and I'm still sticking with my story where it was a big eh. He was bringing a little sandwich, a little chicken fillet roll. Big one like. Long. There was also a the paper bag that it was supposedly carried in that was found up in the corner of the sniper's nest was and the paper bag that supposedly was containing the curtain poles. Yeah. Uh, fucking come on, lads. Yeah, but, but he was carrying a rifle in a paper bag. Fucking him. It seemed like a heavy enough paper bag. But the <laughs> point with this one is, he had a... What weight was it? Uh, a couple of hundred grams. <laughs> there was a couple of his prints on it, but nobody else's prints, which some people do think is a bit strange. But also, even the rifle disassembled, they said you'd struggle to fit it into that bag. Mm. and also yeah. the oh, witnesses well. did say they had seen him carrying something but it was only remember they said two foot long whereas the rifle even disassembled was at least three feet long which maybe people were mistaken but this is in the spirit of this whole thing we're doing here trying to explain why this conspiracy is still going so strong after 60 years it's things like this yeah that on the one hand when you hear the curtain pole story you go well he's obviously up to something and it sounds like he's bringing a gun into the building but then you hear the other inconsistencies and you go, maybe it's not all so black and white. That's why this is going on so long. Because you could do that with a hundred things mm. more in this story. Okay, what else? So the fingerprints on the boxes in the sniper's nest. So yeah, Warren Commission said, look, this shows he was there and they didn't find any other employees' fingerprints there. Lazy bastards, um, no work at all. How do you not find anyone else's fingerprints? Well, that's a big argument against that. Some people argue like that doesn't make sense. Yeah. Like if how would only his prints be there? People say that's then you start getting suspicious that maybe someone planted the evidence there. The the other thing that's really important here is where Oswald was at the time of the shooting. So we've already mentioned that he was obviously supposed to be on the sixth floor. But yeah. he claimed to have been having his lunch at the time on the first floor. Now, here's where it gets very interesting. There's a Carolyn Arnold. She was a secretary at School Book Depository. She told the FBI that the day of the assassination, Oswald was standing in the hallway between the front door and what they call the double doors on the first floor. So Oswald is standing on the first floor just before a quarter past 12. Um, she actually did another interview with a journalist a while later and she told them that the FBI didn't even print the correct time. She said she told the FBI she saw Oswald down there at 25 past 12 like just a couple of minutes before the shooting 
She was never asked to testify at the Warren Commission. Yeah. Um, yeah, which meant she, he would have had to leg it upstairs like in a minute or two to, yeah. to get to the sixth floor window. And to like prep himself for such a big fucking thing. Like, yeah. yeah. It's impossible nearly, isn't it? So Physically impossible, yeah. yeah. There's an officer, Marion Baker, from the Dallas Police Department. He was a, a motorcycle officer. Uh, he was in the motorcade. Shooting happens. He, I'm not sure if he saw shots or heard shots or someone told him the shots came from the building, but he rushes into the book depository pretty much immediately. Um, he said, I heard these three shots and immediately I knew they were in front of me and high up. As I looked up, I saw a huge flock of pigeons flying from the top of this building. So I rode my motorcycle over to the corner of the intersection, parked it and ran into the building. I saw uh, through a doorway, a window in this doorway, uh, a man uh, movement. So I went over and opened up the door and this man was walking away from it in uh, the next room. I later found out was a coffee room. I called to the man and he turned around and Mr. Truly was there beside me and I asked him if he knew this man or if he worked there. He said, yes, he does. He was calm, ordinary, you know. He, he didn't look excited or anything like that. That was Lee Harvey Oswald on the second floor. Now, lads, come on. Where the fuck was he then? Less than two minutes after the shooting, he was on the second floor. Apparently, not flustered, not out of breath. Not a bother on him. He would have had to run from the sixth floor to the second floor in 90 seconds. The poor fucker was innocent. Can you say he was innocent? Baker. Oh yeah, I'm going out on a limb. The Warren Commission asked him if he appeared out of breath. He said no. They said, they asked him if he was calm and collected and... uh, Officer Marion Baker said yes he was um, and truly Mr. Truly the building manager who was with Baker said Oswald didn't seem to be excited or worried or he said didn't seem to be excited or overly afraid or anything uh, the FBI ran tests to see how long it would take Baker to get from where he was when the shots were fired to the second floor where he saw Oswald they reckoned it was a minute and 18 seconds they did the same test for Oswald and they found that Oswald could have done all he supposedly did upstairs and got back to the second floor break room in a minute and 14 seconds. So four seconds ahead of the time. Like, what tests are he running there now? Come on, for, for Jay's sake. Didn't he hide the blade and gun and everything? Well, like, but that's the gun was there, though, when he got there, was it? Yeah, he left, he left the gun. Yeah. Wonder, or whoever left the gun. Is. It's just, it's interesting. Four seconds in the difference. Mm. So they supposedly arrived at pretty much the exact same time on the second floor. And Oswald is very calm and collected and not out of breath. And did that, that officer get there right at that time when yep. he would he said immediately to the second straight immediately there? From we what he told them, they reenacted it as he told it and they said it would have taken a minute and 18 seconds. And he was just like, Dave, yeah, he was just like, what's going on? Just yeah. heard gunshots. So it's pres- present daddy, oh no way. I haven't really found a very credible debunking of this. Like it's it's still there, and the only, I guess, half logical explanation I found is that when uh, Marion Baker, the police officer, when he read traced his steps, mm-hmm. they timed it. He said the time he got was probably the quickest he could have got there. So possibly on the day he did get there a bit slower because he was distracted by things, and when he did the retracing, he didn't quite reenact it perfectly. But that's that's the best explanation for whatever that. So no explanation. <laughs> Pretty he, much. He moonwalked a second time. <laughs> it gets stranger. 
It gets stranger than that. There's uh, another, always gets stranger. another book depository employee, Victoria Adams. Um, she told the Warren Commission, she went down the same stairs that Oswald would have had to use to get from the fourth floor to the first floor. She did this within a minute of the shooting. She was going downstairs. Are they all fucking looking at their watches? I'm just being like, <laughs> yeah, like I know. Because like, when someone asks me, what did you do at like 12 o'clock on Tuesday? I'm like, I, th- I think majority would not be able, like who the fuck's... That's a good point. Who's noticing that? Like, That's yeah. a good point. Who's yeah. counting? I suppose your concept of time and how much time has elapsed, I wouldn't trust mine. No, absolutely not. To the fucking second. Yeah. This, we're talking like literally... Well, the seconds the second now, that was them reenacting it. But like Victoria Adams, she said like it was within a minute. So maybe she knew, like she heard the shots and ran downstairs. Maybe and then it's out there that the shooting happened at this time. And yeah. she's like evaluating that. And yeah, but still, like it's just... Oh, I better look at me watch just in case I get um, asked about this. <laughs> just in case your man Lee is <laughs> after shooting the president like oh, Lee Harvey the mad commie she yeah she said she ran down the same stairs these are the stairs Oswald would have had to come down she was going down in the minute after Oswald supposedly got downstairs in a minute 14 seconds she never saw Lee Harvey Oswald on those stairs because he didn't go down them because he didn't shoot them um, the Warren report concluded that she must have been mixed up about her timing aye yeah and so they discounted her testimony. Yeah. The big age. <laughs> they, the reason they justified this is they said that when she got down the stairs, they claimed her testimony said she saw two other employees, uh, a, a Bill Shelley and a Billy Lovelady. More great names. Amazing. <laughs> and she told them she'd seen the shooting out the window and all this. But the Warren report says that those two men actually after the shooting went over to the rail yard across the road or around the corner the Warren Commission says that she says she met these two lads and they went around to the rail yard but when she spoke to the FBI she never mentioned these the question there is where did that come from because mm. that was used to discredit her testimony that she had spoken to these two men who the Warren Commission said well they weren't even in the building at the time you said you went down the stairs so therefore you're confused about the timings so therefore we're not listening to your testimony uh, she must have been thinking about the other president that got shot a few minutes afterwards <laughs> and um, you're going to like this one Joe yes uh, in February 1964 Victoria Adams was visited by a Dallas police officer who told her there had been a fire at the police department and her file was burned so, oh, they, need, so they had to take that. her statement again just whores um, and in that statement she mentions Shelley and Lovelady. So the first time, she never mentioned them. Second time, in that statement anyway, they had it recorded that she did mention them. But that makes it more... And the tapes of her and those two men? Gone. Burnt as well. Well, missing. For Jesus' sake. <laughs> there's, a, there's a controversial bottle of Coke here too. So it's This whole... This whole conspiracy is brought to you by fucking Coca-Cola. <laughs> Oswald, when Oswald was being interrogated for like what little we do know of those, he told them he was on the first floor eating a cheese sandwich. Uh, he also said, he said then he went up to the second that's floor. That's a fucking poor choice of sandwich. Just a cheese, Just a sandwich. cheese sandwich. Definitely a psychopath. Cheese toasty, maybe, out of bush, but... It's 1963. What, they didn't have ham then? <laughs> <laughs> it's a very good point it's um, a very good point he went up to the second floor 
to the Coke machine and bought a bottle of Coke for his lunch. Who, who, who's this now? Lee Harvey Oswald. Oh, okay, yeah, I know him. <laughs> You've heard of him. I know him now, yeah. So Oswald said he bought the Coke for his lunch before he had the sandwich. And he was drinking the Coke in the lunchroom when the police officer, or police officer who rushed into the building, when he saw him. Yeah. It all adds up. He's placing himself literally with people that he's never met. But they, the same interactions and their statements are the same as his. They're adding up like. Like the officer that came in. Yeah. Did he mention her in, in statements like? I don't know if he mentioned her, but what I can tell you, he did mention. What he did mention in his affidavit was, this is September 64. Officer Baker signed an affidavit which said he saw a man standing in the lunchroom drinking a Coke. But then he crossed out drinking a Coke and initialed the change. So that would mean if he was drinking a Coke, Oswald's story adds up. But I'll for some reason, now, after he wrote that, he took out the bit about drinking the Coke. And then it's just he met the man on the stairs. And then it's it could be anyone. the person who didn't see you on the stairs. Well, she was mistaken. It could have been you, Oswald, getting down the stairs. Uh, so this No, so this officer originally wrote his affidavit and said that he's seen uh, him drinking a Coke and then he crossed it off and signed it because it was actually a Club Orange or something. <laughs> we don't know. But he, he actually, he, so that was uh, stricken and he signed off on, on striking it. Which would imply he was asked to take that minor detail out. You could read that into it, yeah. It's not even down to trial. Like, why would anyone want to take that little bit of information out? It just makes it more plausible that like to do with him said that he was he said himself he's having a coke well, and the officer said he was having a, the person on the second floor was having a coke does that make sense yeah is that would that be correct yeah, yeah. Um, there's yeah and there's another witness um, Mrs. Ori Reed. she said she saw Oswald walking through um, walking on the second floor at 12.32 which is right around this time Again, holding pretty. a bottle of coke. Is this a spon? Was was he sponsored by coke? That's good product placement. Slaughtering the coke. I mean, whatever about getting downstairs and not being out of breath, mm. buying a coke in four seconds. Like who who would have thought a bottle of coke is integral to this? <laughs> was it a bottle of coke? Yeah, probably like a glass bottle. Ah, oh, class. A different recipe as well. Classic. That's that classic coke where, like the old Lucas say, you know, that kind of. I shall look. Actual the worst things happen huh? the president just got killed but like this that all this that's all interesting about the book depository stuff but there's bigger telltales that it's that, that things don't add up that probably becomes a 10 episode thing then if we keep going <laughs> for them bits I would have loved it but the angle if if the shot came from the 6th floor yeah the magic bullet the angles the we're getting there all this like you know we're, we're getting, getting there, there yes questions of Oswald getting the gun in. We talk about that, uh, but just there's another bit, like just kind of a little detour. I don't have any more than kind of the. You're going to like this, Joe. I like um, it all. On Wednesday, November twentieth. So love it. Two days <laughs> no, before. No. Two days before the shooting, half ten in the morning, uh, a man named Ralph Yates said he picked up a hitchhiker, who he claimed was a dead ringer, for Lee Harvey Oswald. He would say that the man had a four foot long package in brown paper. Hey. 
<laughs> Come on. Um, it's too easy. This man also told, or this man, whoever he was, told Yates that it contained curtain rods. Hanging curtains. Uh, the hitchhiker. Then. Is it like they... Okay, wait for this, wait for this. This is, this is cool. Right, the hitchhiker. Then started asking Ralph Yates. Uh, he said, do you think it's possible you could assassinate the president? Oh, sorry, very on the nose that. Uh, Yates says, I guess so. Um, then the hitchhiker says, do you reckon you could do it from the top of a building or out of a, a window that's very high up? And you could, Yates says... You definitely like disclose that with a stranger. <laughs> Yates says, well, I, I think so. If, if you had a decent enough gun with a, a And what type of gun? Scope. This one. The man then asked Yates, or so Yates said, the man said to him, do you know what route President Kennedy's motorcade is going to take on Friday? Yates was, says, I don't, but you'll find out in the paper, I'm sure. So this person just randomly picked Lee Har- Harvey Oswald up. Well, when he, he saw the reports, get him a lift. and he saw Oswald's picture, he went straight to the FBI and said, I gave that fella a lift two days ago, and he was talking all this stuff. So immediately, he, he went and... And the FBI told him, no, nah, you're wrong. You're mistaken there. Um, they interviewed him for four days. Uh, and then in... No- yeah, they interviewed him in November, in December, and then a couple of times in January. J. Edgar Hoover, the FBI director, he he ordered that Yates would be re-interviewed and do a polygraph. He passed the polygraph. But the FBI told him, that's just because you believe it's true. Not because it is true. <laughs> if it went the other way, they say, ah, well, fuck told you. They said, this is real shades of MK Ultra stuff here. They said, you see, you've passed the polygraph, which means you believe it's true, but we know it's not true. So therefore, you're insane. Therefore, you're insane. <laughs> insane. He was... I fucking came forward now. He was admitted to a psychiatric hospital immediately. No way. Um, he was 28. He had five kids. He spent pretty much the rest of his life in and out of psychiatric hospitals. He died at 39. He, they administered over 40 shock treatments to him and he never once changed his story. Oh my God. Fucking hell. We're covering a lot of stuff here <laughs> that could possibly end up being a documentary of <laughs> stuff that no one else knows yet. <laughs> that you've just deep dived. No. I'm building this on the back of other people's work. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, but to put it all together and Here's where it gets even stranger. Even if you believe Yates, right? And maybe you just don't. Maybe he was off his rocker, whatever. Oswald was, and this is definitely true, Oswald was working at the book depository at the time that Yates said he picked up this hitchhiker. This is not the only time the possibility of two Lee Harvey Oswald <laughs> crops up. There is, There are several instances in this story where people wonder if there was a Lee Harvey Oswald body double. See, Joe, I knew you'd like this. I'm, I'm so here for it. I'm so here for it. A body double in what scenario? What place in the body double were? Yates, here's where it gets even stranger. Yates had told a co-worker about this hitchhiker before the assassination. But the co-worker said, ah, Yates is full of shit. He always talks nonsense. But he said, but he told the story before. That's mad. But like, it doesn't make any sense, does it? Like, if you're in a, in a conspiracy, what are you doing? You, the fella picks you up and you're like, Tell you what, me and my curtain rods we're, we're, bring us to the motorcade route. <laughs> like, if you were a body double and you were going to kill the president, I don't think you'd hitchhike and tell a stranger about it. 
Unless it was part of a bigger plan. <gasps> Is it? Well, I mean, I think that's part of the speculation here. Yeah. Like, there's oh, there's lots of gaps in my knowledge here, but I think people do believe like maybe this was somebody laying the foundations for the cover story mm. that Yates would come forward and say. He was a patsy. Like he was thrown under the bus. Like Lee Harvey Oswald, it was all set up to put the blame on Lee Harvey Oswald. And the body double probably did, like was just there to, probably did do the, the kill him. Probably just found something There's, identical to him. Is there anything in your notes about the CIA keeping tabs on him? Like they had, a, there was a relationship there, like between, before all this between yeah, yeah. the CIA and Lee Harvey Oswald. Yeah, we're going to get that in a few minutes. Which is mad. It is. Because they originally said that they didn't know him or something. Or this this was a mad random incident or something. And then it came out that they were keeping tabs, tabs on him for years and years. Like The whole thing stinks. This is one of the most compelling parts now. Could he make the shot? Here you go. This is your you're into this now, Darren. Yeah. Moon to Olive. Oswald had been in the Marines, so they do marksman tests in the Marines. He got the lowest of the three classifications. The scale is 190 to 250. I think if you get below 190, you fail. He got 191. He had done another test a couple of years previously where he did do better, but this was the most recent one he'd done before he left the Marines. Just before we go, yep. for for the like the fact that <laughs> like he has history in the Marines with using a rifle yeah. and aiming alone even if he's shit he still has experience like he still has done that before so it kind of makes a case that it would put yeah. him there he, yeah he was a trained marksman and I know a shite one but a shite one I know yeah but <laughs> I know you can say like they want you to think that or that's 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 the way they they're gonna land him in it like yeah but it's still like mm, yeah they just don't know go on go on there son People who had known him, who had seen him shoot on the firing range, uh, they said he was crap. This fella's dirt. Yeah, yeah basically. Oswald had done an earlier test in the Marines and he scored 212 out of 250. So still not, no. That's shit. <laughs> not world class, but That's like better. That's me going in and doing that. Yeah, and people who knew him in the Marines said he, he wasn't very good. Um, the rifle itself also, the Carcano, not just his one, but uh, the Carcano was known to be like crap crap um, and he's making alterations to it yeah. and everything the Italian army knew it as the humanitarian rifle because it saved so many lives why <laughs> <laughs> not kill him yeah. the Warren Commission did some simulated test firings they got Olympic class army marksmen three of them these are the best shooters they could find they had them at half the height of the sixth floor book depository window which is strange why they wouldn't go all the way up the height yeah. but they were then asked to hit the target from the same distance and to do it in the time allowed with the Carcano rifle. They could only hit two out of three. This feels like they just... When did they do this? Because if it was like the, the week after, it just seems tasteless. It's like they just made a little game out of it. Oh, come on, we see... Come on, we play the shoot the president game. Like, oh, and they're going around Dealey Plaza taking pops at the... Well, I don't, they didn't do it target. in Dealey Plaza. I'm sure they recreated it somewhere else. I hope so. I hope so. It's that, an investigation. They, it's good that they recreated it, no? <laughs> It's kind of. I think, it, I think it's good. Yeah. You recreated. Oh, yeah, you know, it's good crack, Ari. <laughs> How long did it take them to hit the two targets? I bet you it's like 16 seconds or something. Couldn't do that. It's three, three. It, like, it's, what is it supposed to be? Fucking eight seconds for him to do that? And he's supposed to be crap? Yeah. From a higher height. If it if it's aren't over that, you're like. And they're Olympian fucking trained. Like, it's fucking mad. 
yeah, the three riflemen. So they had as much time as Oswald had to fire the three shots. But so the the challenge was they each fired two series of three shots. Can I just say one thing? Go on. When you Google who shot JFK? Question mark. He doesn't come up. Like it doesn't say anything. Of, like I know he's he's charged on it, but I think everyone kind of who doesn't deep dive into it thinks like Lee Harvey Oswald killed him because he's a man in the pub. They used to used to come into the pub when I walked there and he just said to me, give us a point there, Lee Harvey Oswald. <laughs> and I knew to never know what that meant until like later down the line when I'd just done a bit of research on that name. I'm like, he fucking calling me that for? Maybe because when you fill a point up, you have to kind of scrape the head off it. <laughs> <laughs> Are you, Did he get shots? Did I, he get no, shots? he was actually like a big fan of just like calling people like serial killer names or like mad names that have killed people and there's a packet of peanuts there Ted Bundy <laughs> <laughs> and a packet of bacon fries as well there yeah Jeffrey Dahmer <laughs> shut up you fucking idiot you. mad bastard wearing dum- double denim <laughs> <laughs> gives a point to Beamish there Hitler <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're, you're barred mate what are you calling me Hitler what, what barred for because you keep calling me fucking s- Murderers' names, <laughs> like I'm trying to fucking do a job here. Anyway, the Warren report found that Oswald had fired the three shots in between 4.8 to about seven seconds. Right, very quick. So they get their three master riflemen in to see if they can recreate this. They're 30 feet up and they're actually shooting at still targets. That's interesting, isn't it? Mm. And it's Oswald was longer. firing from twice that height and at moving targets. And also, the clock only started for these tests when the shooters took their first shot, the clock would start. So they can take as long as they want to set their first shot with a steel target. Whereas Oswald would have been watching well, that take the them presidential them limousine moving away. Second. So these are three master riflemen. They each hit two of the three shots in each of their tries. Them lads were playing time crisis or something. That's a bleeding crap test that they done half the height and like not even moving targets there was a fellow called Sherman Cooley who uh, knew Oswald from the military and he said if I had to pick one man in the whole you know, all the United States to shoot me I'd pick Oswald <laughs> <laughs> I saw the man shoot there is no way he could have ever learned to shoot well enough to do what they accused him of doing in Dallas that's, he could, he could that's have the took testimony it, of Sherman Cooley he took it, could have took it upon himself as a Sherman Cooley's not a bad name. I was going to say, I want to have a drink with Cooley. Sherman, his first name is a Sherman bit. Is the Shermanator. Yeah. Mm. Sherman, what the fuck are you doing here? Remember that? Yeah. Yeah, good film that is. Well, good film, oh, yeah, it's a nice film. Uh, it's yeah. a classic. The Warren Report. Sorry. Sorry, the Warren Report did say that witnesses uh, thought they might have seen Oswald practicing a firing ranges. So Might have. Maybe he got better. Maybe he was practicing. Yeah, he could have been like... I'll show them that I can't I can't shoot properly. It was perfect. It's it's absolutely perfect. Oh, even the fucking video footage, it's fucking precise to fuck, isn't it? Yeah. It's ac- the most accurate shots. Like it's close. <laughs> it's class. It's class, <laughs> it's class shooting. It's oh like, man, what a shot. <laughs> uh, Back at a head. So oh. there was a, a Dr. Wood who uh, when he saw Oswald on TV. Shite name. Yeah, it's not great. He said, he saw him on TV and he says to his wife, that's the fellow who was down the firing range last week or whenever. So there were some people who said. So, 
again, was he definitely, possible he had definitely had the fire and, and was a better shot than he had been in the Marines a few years previously, you know? This is some serious shooting that happened. If it all happened from the corner window on the sixth floor of the book depository, this is serious shooting. And people who knew Oswald didn't think he was a great shot. It's an exceptionally good shot. And, you know, these, the, even the, at the recreations, like, they're not doing it under the pressure. You're about to shoot the president. Mm. Like, the pressure of that. How far away is the, the building from the car? Like, how, what's the distance? Do we know that? The oh. first shot is about 60 to 65 yards. Second shot, that's the headshot, will be about 90 yards. There was speculation that he didn't even order the rifle. I hear that. Isn't there something interesting about the gun? There's a few interesting things about the gun. So about 30 minutes after the assassination, the police find the rifle uh, up on the sixth floor. The three sheriffs who first showed up there said that the gun was a Mauser, which is a different type of gun. The Carcano is the type of gun that Oswald owned and that they paraded around and said, this is the real gun. One of them in particular has said he saw up very close that it was a Mauser and these men knew their guns. The Warren report said the confusion around the type of rifle it was, was that the Carcano rifle, the one Oswald has, had been modified slightly. And that means if one of the sheriffs who saw it, they would look at it and they might think it was a different rifle because Oswald had modified it slightly. And that's how they explained that discrepancy. Like if you take it at genuine face value, that is the gun that was taken out of there and was, nobody saw it, a different gun being slipped into the situation or that first gun being disappeared or anything like that. If you just take it logically, that that was the gun. You have to kind of be thinking a bit conspiratorially that the lads might have been mistaken. You know, it yeah. probably makes more sense that the lads, the sheriffs, were mistaken when they said, "Oh no, it was that type of gun." Is the gun with the prince the same as the gun that was he was pictured with? Yeah, it's that exact same. That is the gun, like. So, yeah, it also emerged that the FBI, an FBI informant, later on this emerged, said that Lee Harvey Oswald is in contact with a crowd called the Fair Play for Cuba Committee. And they based this on a letter Oswald had written to that committee's headquarters in New York. And the question is, how did this informant get his hands on this letter? And the explanation would be they were monitoring Oswald's post. And the question then is, if they were doing that, were they aware that he had ordered the rifle? Ooh. The Warren Commission never asked the FBI if they had been monitoring Oswald's post. Why would Lee Harvey Oswald have any reason to kill kill him? That's a big question that was never really answered. It should be like the main one. Like why? What's his beliefs? Like what's his background? Like obviously we have bits but what let him like if say he fucking did kill him like yeah. you have to kind of acknowledge the fact that he might have done that. Yeah. Why? <laughs> Politics obviously. Yeah. 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 What do you believe? I don't know. Either the boy. Yeah. You're fucking very, you, you know exactly what you believe. Yeah. I mean, obviously, that, like, as you get into it, it gives you more information about, like, from the angles of the shots now, which is one of the biggest stories. Like, there's multiple people that could have done it. Mm. At the same time, like, there could have been more than one person involved. And he was, like, 100% a, a patsy. Like, it's, yeah, it's insane that he would... But I do think that Lee Harvey Oswald was a looper. Like, I think he was a, a, a nut job, a loner, a bit of a, a loser. He had n nobody wanted him. The communists didn't want him, and the conservatives didn't want him. He fell in between the cracks, 
and I think a useful idiot is a good um, uh, description of what he was. And that's that's what I that's what I think. Yeah, that's the official line from the Warren Commission about Oswald and many doubts about their version of events and a little bit about him. So we'll wrap this one up there. I think going into the third one, we're gonna have to. I th- in the next one, what we're gonna get into is the non-Oswald stuff. So other things that were going on that day that people say don't really add up. Things like the the magic bullet theory. The idea that one bullet caused all these injuries to Kennedy and Connolly in the car. Or a mysterious man known as the Umbrella Man on the route who opened his umbrella. Some people speculate he was raising it as a signal to start mm-hmm. the shooting. Things like that. All the different witnesses. Why did some people hear shots from the book depository but some people heard them from the grassy knoll in the opposite direction? The autopsy. What happened there? Why was, or why even just recently, doctors who first saw JFK have come out and said that shot was from the front, not from the back. But we were told to say nothing. All these things. There's oh, many, many oh, things. Oh, 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 oh. There's many things going on outside of Lee Harvey Oswald. The web gets wider and I'm just excited for the next episode. Yeah, so that's that. Ooh. See us then. Talk to us then. Thanks. Bye. Stall it is a goal out original. Stall it is a goal. I need that, yeah. If you got any theories on JFK or anything else, stall it at goaloudnow.com. Yeah. Yeah, email us. Email us with any information that you think we might have missed out on or any theories that you have yourself. Send it to stolly at goloudnow.com and we'll chat about it. Well, we have a little chat about it. And thanks to our assistant producer, Siobhan Walsh, and researcher, Billy Reed. Talk to you soon. Stick around with folks. Bye.